to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott once again. Hey. And uh, we're joined by uh, a special guest, a guy we've known for a long time, uh, who I consider one of the best improvisers in Columbus, in my personal humble opinion. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's been in a lot of different groups, State of Play, um, Reginald, and and the new one is uh, 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 Saturday Potluck. Saturday Potluck. Yes. It's Phil Porter, everybody. Yay. Hello, everybody. Hey. Yay. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and, Phil. And I'm still in all those groups. So. <laughs> you said as has been. I'm, 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 you know, as of this recording, I'm still in. I haven't still, kicked out. Still in, not has yeah, been. It's yeah. on the record now, right. so we yeah. have it. <laughs> now you have to be in it. You can never leave. Right. Because <laughs> someone in 2011 could be listening. That's right, yeah. yeah. Or not 2000. 2021. But as of this year. <laughs> as, as of this year. And all they bring back is our podcast. And for the record, this year is 2016. That's right, 2016. Just for the record. For all of you that will be listening to this podcast in the the future, I'm sure this will be right there at the the top of, you know. I guess we would all be very surprised. This is true. This is true. So we brought Phil in uh, to talk about a a movie that uh, I happen to love. I I seem to like it more and more the more I see it, oddly enough. And it brings me back to a particular time period. It's Fast Times at Ridgemont High from 1982. Uh, It was directed by a a lady named Amy Heckerling. And it was Mm -hmm. written by famously by Cameron Crowe. He actually went undercover at a a high school called Claremont in California. He was going to write an article for Rolling Stone on high school kids, and he looked young enough that he could pull it off. Oh, wow. And that became the basis for this movie. And I think the difference between this and a lot of high school movies is the fact that he did that much research on it. Yeah. You know, because I think there's a lot of authenticity in the way the kids are portrayed in this movie versus this other... I agree with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Strangely, so... In preparation for the podcast, when you told me this is the movie we we're going to do, obviously you say I'm very familiar with this movie. I've seen this movie a lot. Uh, you know, I was in high school in the '80s. I was mm-hmm. an '80s kid, so that you know that was my kind of thing. So I'm like, okay, what can I do to kind of help you know uh, to get a better feel for it? And I went to I was going to read the book. And oh, it was a book. It was a book. Yeah, it I was. Didn't know that. So I'm looking around uh, to see you know if I can purchase a book. Looking online, where have you cheapest? copy I could find. Obviously, it's out of print. It was like 60 bucks. I'm like, okay, I can't. <laughs> you know, Did you check the library? I checked the library. There is no, there's plenty yeah. of copies of the movie. There's no copies of the book anywhere. That's crazy. I, was, I know. Okay. I was like, because I'm like, okay, because I really, because knowing this, and because I, I knew Cameron Crowe had, had written this, you know, and and I'm like, oh god, you know, that's that. What a really great thing to kind of get a, a, a you know, a deeper appreciation for this movie yes. and, and a different perspective that I've never had. And no, wasn't going to have not for sixty bucks. I, I love you guys, but uh, I don't know what you're doing. No, no, I, I this, guess, yeah. this is on the cheap as much as we right. possibly can. So, yeah. To prepare for this movie, Scott and I went to Family Video and rented it for a dollar. Yeah, right? yeah. a dollar. One dollar. Got a nice big box of pops. <laughs> five days, one dollar. <laughs> nice. Five days, one dollar. And it was well worth every penny. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, prepare for this movie. I went undercover as a high school kid to watch this. No, <laughs> no, that's right. I do. I was able Actually, to pass. I could probably pass. Right yeah, you probably, could, uh, probably. Tony. Yeah, I would recommend it, Tony. Let's let's go ahead and oh write your God. own version. I would, I would have a heart attack if I went back to high school now, probably. Oh God, I would just rule it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I consider this like 
the first real 80s movie. I mean, obviously it wasn't the first film released in the 80s, yeah. but it's the first movie that I feel like encapsulates the era, at least our collective like memory of the 80s. Yeah. Or just, of in like, yeah. just in general? Just in general, both culturally and from high school. Because gotcha. you watch a movie like Raiders, it came out in the 80s, but it's a, it's a period piece and it feels yeah. timeless. Right. Sure. I think this is a great film, but it, it, it so encapsulates its era. You know, yeah. I would probably say Rebel Without a Cause does that maybe for the 50s for some people and mm-hmm. Easy Rider for the 60s. Mm-hmm. I think this really captures the yeah. 80s. I agree you know? with that of like, it start, It kind of brought into the, uh, 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 of that, that genre of the high school movie. Sure. Uh, yeah. Basically, it was like, I actually wrote that down, the Cameron Crowe kind of bookended John Hughes with yeah. uh, bringing this and coming into this and then all the John Hughes movies and then in 1989 was Say Anything. Yeah. Was, so he, so like, yeah, Cameron Crowe really kind of, I think, bookended a lot of that John Hughes era movies, you know, with this and, and um, you know, with this movie and then Valley Girl as well, I think really uh, doesn't get as much credit, I think, as it should with, uh, with being that, yeah. like, that kind of... Of, of having that same feel. And I think it was also a female director who directed it. Uh, speaking of which, I'd like to tie this in. Uh, Amy Heckerling, who directed this movie, was also the director for Clueless. Yeah. Which, yes. in so many ways, capsulates the 1990s. Yeah. That time period, the mid-90s. Um, the fashion, certainly. I mean, I know I dressed like Cher after I saw that movie. I have mm. a feather pen as I speak yeah, to this a, day. There's also a surfer, stoner... Yeah. Skater exactly. character in yeah. that movie. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Far less memorable, by the yeah. way, in well, that movie than I think, than, I think that's just this. Amy's style, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk yeah. about, is I love her style as a director. Really? Yeah. She has such an authentic way of, of demonstrating what's mm-hmm. really happening at that time period, whether it's in high school or whatever. Um, yeah. And I think that's just a testimony to her being an, an excellent director. I mean, any movie I've ever seen by her, I liked. Right, you know, I, I I agree with that. Like, I actually love the way she directed this this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's there's sequences in the film, like they're throwaway sequences. But when she transitions to another scene, she'll do like clips of like different like vignettes with scenes within a scene of like the cheerleaders doing all this, yeah. their antics, and they're like throwaway scenes. They're probably improvised. Right. But she edits in a way that just kind of encapsulates. Okay, that's what they were doing. It captures the mood of each scene really well to tell you exactly yeah. what you're watching. Very yeah. Gen- yeah, I mean, it's very earnest. It's a very earnest, very genuine movie. Like saying that, you know, you kind of have to talk about John Hughes when you talk about this. Oh, movie, you do. You know? yeah. But the same way, because there were a lot of other teen movies that were going on that time. You know, the Patrick Dempsey movies, yeah. stuff like that. That oh, was yeah. like the like I the agree. teen comedies, and you had like the sex teen comedies, and the it was yeah, and yeah. They, but they weren't. There wasn't a yeah. These were very. There's, yeah, there's something very earnest about those, especially this movie. And I'm a big fan of the one Patrick Jensen movie in particular, Can't Buy Me Love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I always really like that movie. But yes, I do totally agree. When you watch that movie and then you watch Fast Times, there is that, there's just a charm. And there's something missing in Can't Buy Me Love that Fast Times definitely has. And I think a lot of it is just sort of the rawness. Um, yeah. At Fast Times, you know, they, they talk about some really heavy topics that are common amongst teen living mm-hmm. whereas in Can't Find Me Love everything's sort of glossy mm-hmm. right you know, yeah. Like yeah exactly over, it's, it's not it's yeah. romanticized kind of uh, and Fast Times is kind of nitty or excuse me gritty it's like just in your face how it was there's a rawness to this movie and I, I think that's the difference between this and the John Hughes movies that followed it because yeah. John movies can, can tend to wallow sometimes in melodrama yeah. at times yeah. and this does not have that at all it's no. really tight and it's very real and John real. Hughes movies are very glossed over like Pretty in Pink which I love 
course, it has the happy ending. Guy gets girl, girl gets guy. Right. This movie, I mean, is not that way. Yeah. This movie is how life would really be. <laughs> okay. What's well, up? Sorry, I'm going to digress. Eighties right. movies, I'm going to digress a lot. Right. Oh no, me too. Here's the thing. It was really funny. I, uh, God, I think it was another podcast. I was listening to somebody else, and they were talking about. They're talking about Pretty in Pink uh-huh. and about the fact that some kind of he made some kind of wonderful with Eric Stoltz uh, and Mary Stuart Masterson, oh, yeah, right. which is basically the same movie. They said they made that because everybody said that the ending that it, the, that Molly Ringwald ended up with the wrong person. She was supposed to end up with Ducky. Ducky. Yeah, that whole thing. They were like, and it was like everybody felt sorry for Ducky. And I, it, yeah, know that movie and I love that movie. And I'm like, well, actually, not really because at the end. Ducky gets Christy Swanson. <laughs> so how can you feel bad for Ducky? Yeah. yeah, I'll be honest. That's kind of for me an upgrade, anyway. That's, yeah, like, absolutely, yeah, it's a complete upgrade. <laughs> Which it's funny because um, yeah, she, she Christy Swanson, who's you know, not a bad actress and, no. and a, obviously gorgeous. Right. She was great in Buffy. Yeah, yeah great that's, in Buffy. that's the first but thing I think of. John her. Hughes had her in in two very minor roles in two of his movies because she was in she was in Ferris Bueller too. She was. She, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In the in the classrooms in the costume attendant scene, uh, with one of my favorite character actors from the movie, Max Perlick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. He was just the man. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's uh, oh, it's weird. Six degrees of separation. This movie in particular, we're talking about stars. Oh god. This this like spawned so much I mean, talent. Kate, you say that name in Fast Times immediately. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Bikini's probably the next right, one. Right. I think of Gremlins, but no, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a, such an iconic scene. I, I remember the first time I, I've seen it sporadically. I actually read about this movie before I actually saw it because mm-hmm. it was referenced a lot in like different movie guides I'd read as a kid because I was too young in the eighties yeah. to probably see it. But I know my dad, he's like a barometer for comedy for me. Like, yeah. if he loved something I knew, it's something I needed to check out. And he loved Fast Times. I mean, he, he always referenced it. And so I would see it sporadically on TV and everything. And uh, I think the first thing I noticed is, like, what I like about this movie is there's no real... Movies of this ill prior to this, like Animal House, is probably a, a comparison to something that like a quotable, yeah. quotable movie. Yeah. yeah, there was like a main conflict of the slobs versus the snobs kind yeah. of thing, and then you would have all these sub stories within that. Um, but this movie is all sub story. Yes. It doesn't have a, yeah. and I like was, that about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no bad guy. There's no yeah. good guys. There's no. Everybody right. gets along. Nobody hates yeah. each other. It's yeah. not. And another thing, like a lot of. That, Teenage movies in the '80s were focused on this the, the popularity aspect nerds. of yeah. nerds versus. Yeah. Pop. There's the only. Pretty and Pink, a great example. I oh. think the only like stature or status is with Forrest Whitaker's character, right, as being a football player. But that's played. I mean, right. some of the best lines are about him, and just like because he's like this right. mythical guy. But, but even that's yeah. somewhat real. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That happens. Yeah, that happens in high school. I mean, yeah. they all the time. I mean, that wasn't a private school, but private schools all the time. They recruit kids from. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, so it's it's that thing of like, yeah, they you know, it's yeah. Him I being, thought he flies in for games is one of the. Yeah, yeah I I he flies in for games is great. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the fact that he's uh, still a nice guy. He's taking his younger brother to see Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, you know, that's such a nice gesture. And just for, and Forrest Whitaker, yeah, like all these yeah. actors, all these really great serious actors who a lot of them didn't do comedy. Yeah. After no. Forrest Whitaker, Sean Penn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and got Sean Penn in the eighties was, just, and the, the, this brought him to stardom. But so much, you know. Yeah. Uh, God, I love Sean Penn in the eighties. There's so many movies I think you know that he did. But you know, you got that in Jennifer Jason Lee, who I don't think really did any kind of comedy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Hates kind of fell off too. Yeah. Judge Eric Stoltz. Judge Reinhold. I love. I mean, Eric, but Eric Stoltz. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all these, you know. Yeah. 
they were all in this teen comedy. Then a lot of them just really went and you know and are just prolific actors. You know, Nick Cage um, isn't really in this movie. I don't no, know. no, no. <laughs> not really. Really. Technically speaking, yeah. Nick Cage is not in this movie. Nicholas Coppola. Yeah, Nicholas Coppola. Exactly. I love that fact too because how many people really know he's a Coppola? Right. Because most people just think I think Nicholas Cage hatched out of an egg and became I Nicholas think Cage. Nicholas Cage is like Dracula. Right. Yeah, he's amazing. I, he's, I, yeah. I think he flips a burger. Is that all he does? Yeah. He yeah. does. He, he's he, he, in the. He's he's it's the, the best burger flipping he's ever seen. Parking lot scene. Yeah. yeah, he's in the parking lot scene. Yeah, uh, when Brad first comes into school, mm-hmm. and, and then he picks up over the. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 And that's yeah. it. In the, in the and that's it. And then he. You know, you know, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go to go. One of the uh, really neat things that I kind of looked at when I was watching this movie was this kind of ties into what you guys were saying earlier about. There is no um, nerds and popular people. Like, it's not, there is, there's no kind of storyline in that regard. I think it's kind of neat, and this is just my theory or concept, but that, like, this whole movie was told from the perspective and the eyes of, like, the school calendar. And it kind of, what I mean by that is it kind of, it goes throughout the whole school year, from the beginning of school, like the first day of school, Mm -hmm. to, you know, graduation at the end. And it follows just a certain group of kids. Um, and within that, there are the little mini dramas that each kid kind yeah. of has and experiences. And I think that that's really neat. Um, I really like that there is no nerds versus popular people, no right. bad guys. It just really shows teenagers and high school for what it really was and all, the diversity and the eclectic mix of people and situations that were happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that a lot of high schools have and people right. experience. And another angle I love about this movie too, like, because I love what you said, like it, it just takes a year of high school yeah. and it's just kind of like a day in the life of exactly. what these kids go yeah. through. Like exactly. every kid have these similar experiences. That's where the humor comes from, which I think the best comedies are that way. Like they yeah. reflect real life in yeah. some way. But um, the other thing I love is every kid in this movie, and this is so true in real life, every kid in this movie that feels like they know everything. Like, they have yeah. it all figured out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, they end up in the worst spot at the end, and the kids who don't know anything are the ones that are better off. That's I mean, cool, yeah. it's, you know, like... Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Even, even Judge Reinhold, who's a nice guy, he's so confident in the beginning, but throughout the movie, he, he digresses yeah. with right. every job change. And, Demo- like, and Mike Demone. Oh, completely. The end, employee of the month. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Demone, that was like his... Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I mean, he kind of knew it was... It was it was bullshit. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody, I mean, you know, it's you know that you know Mark Ratner said, you, you know, nobody likes you. I defend you. This guy yeah. has no friends. His only friend is Mark. Yeah, it and is. You, can, you know, in the beginning, yeah. you think like, hey man, he's cool because for one, and I wrote this down, Damone's wardrobe is the <laughs> awesomest, eightiest. <laughs> he it had is. at one point in time on. He had a pink Lacoste shirt. Yes. With a members-only jacket yes. and a keyboard scarf on at the same time, yes. and I'm like, dude, you—that was—that was—if if you made an '80s movie now, that's what somebody would be having you wearing right there, you know. And he, and he had it on. Well, it's great that you mentioned his hair style. too. It's oh just yeah, slick back. Because one of the things I noted was Phoebe Cates. I love her style in this movie, which I think really. Is true, like '80s girl style. Yeah. In the one scene in the cafeteria, she had kind of like the fluffy curly hair. Um, she had a band- red bandana scarf, mm-hmm. a really nice like um, blue and white striped Oxford with like a jean jacket, and I think she had a headband in, like a white headband or something. Which she did. I would totally wear that today. I mean, right. that's kind of like classic style, but yet it was it was different. You know, it's like right. one of those things that you see and you're just like, that is awesome. Like, right? It just, it's just I love it. It's like Cher and Clueless. You see the knee highs and the skirts. It takes you back to the right. 90s. Right. That kind of took me back to that time and. Uh, 
I just love there's so much detail. In there is so much. Well, even there is. I would think about like Spicoli's thing. I was yes. watching it, and I go, you know, the when first day of class he comes in. And I'm like, that outfit's awesome as all get out. The shorts yeah. are a little too short, but other than that, he's got <laughs> yeah. blue shorts on. He's got a green Lacoste shirt with a white uh, thermal undershirt on under it and checked vans and then those socks. I'm like, that looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it does. I like that. Checked vans are still popular today. Oh, they're still popular. I'm wearing vans right now. They're not checked, but I'm wearing vans right now. And for the record, I wore a red bandana scarf earlier today. Yeah. Oh. Don't you remember? I do. I do remember that. Yeah. Yes. In so honor. In honor and preparation for this. Yes. <laughs> You know, she's really good in this movie, outside of the iconic scene that yeah. you know, was famous right. because pretty much everyone <laughs> you know, read yeah. it over and over again for that specific scene. But she's actually really good in the character, like, you know, yeah. playing this, you know, she's the experienced one, she knows everything. But and then she's... again, at the end, her boyfriend kind of ditches her, and yeah. she's the heartbroken one, and it just goes to show, you know... Even and the she kids got her come up. They haven't yeah. figured it out. They don't. And know? she got her come up. It's because it's her fault that Stacy was such a hoe. Was such a hoe. Yeah. I mean, I put that. Stacy is a slut. I've got whore. I think I wrote whore down. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's kind of funny. She just, you know, she's really I aggressive with Mark, and he's like, he doesn't know. How, I mean, I and I totally understand that. Yeah. In, in, in high school, of like, you're like, oh, you know, it's like, hope I get to kiss this girl. Yeah. yeah. I really like this girl, and then that's she's like, like yeah. just she's it. like, boom, yeah, and then it's, and he's like, I can't, I can't handle this, you know, and she's right. just, you know, you know, and she goes to Mike, yeah, she goes to Mike in the changing room that has a couch. I put that in there too. <laughs> that's true. That's and right. Like, it really, that's just a bang room, then, is it? You know, it is. Yeah, I love how <laughs> awkward that scene is because she's just like, she gives him iced tea. Oh, yeah. It's just like yeah. all this stuff. Like, all that. It looks like it's very general. All that yeah. awkwardness. Okay, yeah. the funny thing about that. Scene, she also looks young, by the way, in this. Very. It's really very you off when you watch it. Um, and, yeah. The one thing about that that the sex scene with Mike and Stacy that was really like weird for me as a female, after you know, they did their business and you know, um, Mike kind of freaks out because of what happened. She's just looking at him like, What? Why are you upset? What happened? It's like, dude, lady, uh, you just had unprotected sex with a guy and yeah. nature yeah. happened <laughs> and you should be worried too right now. Right. Yeah, she was just so Yeah, she was just so They handle it so well. She handles it so matter-of-factly. It's crazy. I think it's because Amy Heckerling directed this, because if a guy directed this, these scenes would be so different, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. But she, she brings a lot of attention to from the woman's perspective in all these scenes. The guys yeah. are douchebags, yeah, for the example. Guy is They're not well, left off oh, the hook. Okay. Uh, Ron Johnson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ron Johnson is not just a douchebag. He's a, he's he's like a pedophile. He's a pedophile. He goes, she says she's 19. Yeah. Okay. And she had to be at least 18 when she did the movie because obviously she was naked yeah. in the movie. But she looks like she's about 12 in yeah. this movie. Welcome to my life. Yeah. yeah. And she goes, and he goes, but when they're getting ready to have, for one thing, if he's 26, he has his own apartment, so he's either got a girlfriend, he doesn't want to take her, you know. Yeah. Takes her to the point, which a is dugout. a dugout, which yeah. I don't get. But um, then he's like, you're 19, right? He knows she's yeah. underage. And he's still just like going, yeah, but I'm giving you, I'm giving you an option to say that you're not. You said you are okay. He knows he's committed a crime here. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, I mean, it's it's like Ron should be. There should be a scene where Ron's going to jail. Yeah. I totally agree. I, yeah. uh, but the, just to to point out something about the other scene that I talked about with Stacey and Mike, like her blank look and stuff. Yeah. And I think I think that that was really done to show that Stacey really is so unaware of her actions. Yeah. And even though she's having sex, she doesn't really understand the concept because any woman. That would have been in that situation that fully understands the repercussions mm-hmm. of sex would be freaking out. Just yeah, like Mike exactly. Was, you know. Oh um, yeah. 
And she's just like, what? What happened? You're leaving? Oh, my. Right. And it's just, I, I, as a woman, I was like, what? You should be freaking out. Or, you know, I, yeah. I remember the first time I watched it, um, was it's got a while ago. We watched it, like, a while ago. And before that scene, I think it was the scene where Stacy was trying to seduce, um, what was his name? The other boy, his, uh, Mike's Mark. friend? Mark. Mark. And I was like, this girl is a slut. She's going to get pregnant. Yeah. She doesn't watch out. And then, what, 20 minutes later, she Boom. gets pregnant. Right. And how quickly we want to call her a slut. Exactly. I mean, we're slut-shaming her right there. And that's yeah. the great thing about this movie. She, she's young and confused, and her friend is filling her head with bad ideas. Yeah. She's not a slut, you know? I mean, yeah. She's just so confused and has no idea exactly. yeah. what's going on. And she's just, you know, she's a victim. But we ourselves, when we both wrote down, she's a slut. She's a whore, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's such a nice person too. On top yeah, of that, because exactly. like, like uh, yeah. I think in the scene with Mr. Hand, she's one of the students in that class, and he's going like, yeah. just like you wouldn't like me to come over to spend history at your time. She goes, no, sir. It's like a sweet mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. It's a throwaway, but it's right. like, it's a it's a it's a glimpse into her right. and how nice she is. Even with the abortion thing, she's still nice right. to Damone, she's even though Damone's yeah. a complete prick to her. She's a good a girl, prick. a major. Oh yeah, a little. Prick. But she's yeah. a good girl. I mean, she that's is. what they. Yeah. Even for the Hamiltons Absolutely. are. Yeah, you tell me, you know, Brad's the way he is, and they're good kids, and Brad. You know, probably a popular guy, but kind of nerdy. It's that guy. Yeah. Everybody likes him, but yeah, he's a little nerdy too. And he's yeah, you know, yeah. way into his his Mick job or whatever, you know. But I these are Brad. these are you know. Yeah. But she's you know. She's oh, my my favorite Brad scene. So look at this. My notes. I like Brad. So nerdy and a big good big boy. Yeah. <laughs> I love Brad, and I probably yeah. I, I was probably Rat, and I was probably Brad more than anybody right. else in this movie, to be honest. With yeah. You in high school, so. I, I, was, I love, yeah. really tr- myself. I couldn't identify with any of the characters. I really can't. Yeah. Like me and high, my high school yeah. version. But it's funny because when we talk about the characters and the psychology of them, and I just want to go back to Phoebe Kate's character. Um, what was her name um, in the movie? Well, either way. Uh, Linda. Linda, that's right. Honestly, I feel like she was just putting on a front. I really don't think she probably ever had sex. I think she was just trying to come. Otherwise, she would have told her friend, look, you need need to be protected. I mean, good good girls do that for each other, okay? Well, there was a big, the tip-off on that is that she kept embellishing how long you lasted in bed. It was like 20 minutes, it was like a half hour. Yeah, because Stacey goes, I thought you said 20 minutes before. She goes, oh, well, it's clear that she is unaware too, but she's trying Mm -hmm. to come off as the cool girl. Right, right. She's very self, I mean, there's the thing, she's not a good friend because she's not, she's not a good person. She's really self-centered and really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She's a snob too, like anytime the guys come over, she just like goes, oh, I don't want to Well, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why Stacey's her friend. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as why Damone's Damone thinks that well I'm gonna be nice to Ratner because he's this nerdy kid but he's the only yeah. one who'll hang out with him. But it's the same thing. Same She's like, yeah. Stacey. Well, Stacy will just look up to her, and the same thing. Ratner will look up to Damone. That's why they they you know I, I would really be interested to see where their friendship started. I keep yeah. thinking they were probably friends as as kids, and and just continue to be friends. Where you know and and Mark probably thought Mike was just so really awesome, and then at some point in time just kind of realized you know. We see the power struggle yeah. there. You yeah, know. and the thing with Stacy and Linda is Stacy, or excuse me, Linda is obviously very attractive. So yeah. men probably like her just based off that. And she was stylish, so you know she's kind of got that thing going on. Um, and so my guess is that Linda is probably very self, self, um, excuse me, in, insecure, very yeah, insecure. Right. 
even though she is good looking and, and all these things, a lot of times women that are like that do tend to be very insecure. And my guess is that if I had to make my psychoanalysis, is that she's probably not experienced, doesn't have many friends, and probably feels a little uncomfortable around men. Because they fought yeah. to her, mm -hmm. because she's good looking and all these other things. Right. And that's why in the scenes with the other guys, she acts a little snobbish and right. leaves because she probably doesn't really, I think she's a little socially awkward in that respect, yeah. which is why she tries to make these fantasies and stories about, you know, this fictitious boyfriend far away or right, whatnot. Right, right. She seems like Brad, though, oddly enough, even though, and yeah. I'm not just talking about the right. fantasy yeah. sequence, like she feels sorry for Brad when he comes home. So there's something about Brad, because Brad's kind of nerdy himself, right. that yeah. she's, she's gravitating. Yeah. Well, she knows Brad. Upset. She knows him, She yeah. knows Brad, and so it's yeah. comfortable. Safe. Stacey, she found out Stacy was pregnant. Yeah. yeah. She got very defensive and upset about that, and I think, you know, the whole, she wrote little prick on his car yeah. and the locker yeah. and all of that, so that was kind of her coming, you know, I don't know, kind of redeeming herself as a friend. Yeah, right. But I think probably why maybe she wasn't, she didn't share the details about, you know, sexual relations was because she probably never had them herself. Yeah. So really wasn't able to say, you know, make sure you use protection. Watch out for that. Don't let a guy, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So... That's my guess. So I guess right. I'm kind of defending Linda in a way. Well, I, I mean, I like I, I actually like all the characters when I watch yeah. them. I think they're all so well constructed. Uh, but I, I think it goes back to the point we were making earlier, which yeah. is like the characters that claim to know everything and have it all figured out really don't. And exactly. it's the characters that don't have everything figured out and are just they learning know. things as yeah. they go. There's an authenticity to them, and that's why they're succeeding. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great throwaway moments in this movie with the characters we were talking about. One of my favorites with Damon is when Rat calls him up at the restaurant because he forgot his wallet. And, and Damon's watching this movie by himself and he goes, I'm a little busy right now. And he's, he's actually, you know what he's watching? Because I, I was paying attention to it. And I was wondering that. No, I've seen this movie probably, I'm saying 15, 20 times through yeah. my entire life. So it's what, but I watch movies over and over again. There's always right, a little, if too. I like them, there's always a little something. So I was noticing, no, he's watching Leave it to Beaver. Really? <laughs> it's oh the God. episode where Beaver goes climbs up on the, the sign. There's like a, a an advertising billboard that's got a cup of coffee, and it gets stuck in a cup of coffee. That's the one I was watching. I would go, oh, you know, nerdy as I am, like, yeah, oh, I know that episode because I love Leave to Beaver. You know, that's awesome. I was I, wondering what he was watching. Yeah, he was yeah. watching, which is another thing. So it's like once again, Mike Dimon thinks he's so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's. Watch it's either Friday or Saturday. They they you, they talk about that. There's like a parents are away for the week. It's either Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, he's home. That's true. Watching Leave It to Beaver. Yeah, because Mark's something. out. What was he eating? He was like eating. Yeah, you're just sitting right next to like kids do in their yeah. like their room. Yeah. yeah. But uh, my favorite moment is that as soon as he hangs up the phone, he looks at it and he goes, "What happened?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love his cadence. He's I love got, that guy's. He's cadence. got another great uh, uh, throwaway when they're at the, in the pool. Yeah. And Brad comes in in his Captain Hooks whatever yeah. uh, outfit, you know, and he goes, oh, "Who's this Taylor?" You know, <laughs> it's another great Demone throw. That was, yeah. that was, yeah, it's great. Speaking of that scene, like I was watching the Captain Hook sequence, like you know, it, it's kind of tough to watch Brad go through. Yes, yeah, his boss. That. If you watch it, his boss is like, "That's Zach Galifianakis's dad," because he's got this big red beard. The boss, yeah. and I kept is saying, "Well, really? that's like a precursor to Zach." Okay. It's not, but okay. it, it right. reminded me of a, a character Galifianakis would play as right. like a cameo now right. in a movie. But the Brad scenes, I love. I mean, because that is universally anybody who's worked in fast food or retail or anything. Yeah, you could easily relate to those scenes. And I mean that scene where the guy is asking, demanding his money back. It's just like okay, it's every oh, cringe-inducing yeah. moment yeah. you've ever had. Oh, and the food looks terrible. It does. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love the throwaway with Brad is when he, when he just gets fired and he like bangs on the bathroom door to his friend. He's like, I hope you had a good piss. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something like that, because he was taken over for his friend, so he shouldn't right. have been in that situation. Oh, speaking of it, this, the scene before when he's in there cleaning the bathroom and it says, Oh, oh I love that. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite scene. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> it's so true. Because like, he's not even cleaning, he's just kind of doing. Well, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's practicing his speech. He, yeah. yeah. And he talks about, you know, his career and he's a big man. But he's the Frank. You know, the only time you see him out front is that. Time when he's 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 subbing for his buddy. Other than that, he's cleaning right. the bathroom. It did say on the side though. I don't know if you noticed it's a point. Clean the month, yeah. Oh, they, they, made it, they made it apparent. He's the cook. He's yeah. a cook and he's cleaning bathrooms. Yeah. You know, so he's not that far up on the chain. No, you know? no, but I guess a high school senior being a cook at a restaurant right. could be you know right. military prestigious. Just like Linda was saying, we work at the coolest. Place in the mall. I know. <laughs> like they're so proud of their jobs in this yeah, movie. It's like they work at a pizza place. Yeah. <laughs> they capture the mall scene so well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And that opening sequence when they're playing uh, We Got the Beats. Yeah, go the first of all, it sets the tone perfectly for the movie. Yeah. Yes. But it so captures the mall rat culture. And that's where I think it's the first 80s film because that's when the, I think balls really became prevalent. As far as teenagers hanging out there in the eighties, yeah. and it captures that whole culture, like just, Absolutely. just you know, like Damone going down the elevator and Brad yeah. kind of going through his thing, and then they're opening up the pizza parlor. You know, it's just and one great thing montage. I want to talk about too when you mentioned the music in the beginning, how it sets the tone. I think this is an outstanding soundtrack. Yeah, and it does. Every song fits the scene that it's in perfectly. Yeah. Everything is well executed. Um, and I just love it. I mean, I thought I even wrote that down. Good, great sound. I love the. I it, you're right. It is very fitting for everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I, fun of as listening again here, mm-hmm. or just listening to it all on its own. There's a lot of great songs. I mean, I, we got to be by the Go Go's. Starts off great, yes. perfect, yeah. great so way to yeah. yeah. Just starts on great song. And then, you know, there's a couple of things. There's the, the song about the cars in there. And there's yes, a couple the moving of moving in stereo. That's yeah. what Phoebe Kate's saying. right. And mm-hmm. but then I started to realize, and I'm like. There, and of course the Jackson Brown song Somebody's Baby right, yeah. but then the rest of them were like god these are because I was like this is going to be a great soundtrack and then I'm listening to it without the movie there and I'm like god some the of these Stevie songs Nick are song awful is good yeah. When, yeah. when Stacey's like waiting for the ride you know what I find odd about the soundtrack because I think there's certain scenes like obviously American Girl by Tom Petty is an awesome oh yeah song. exactly oh, that's classic. the other one I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the Cars song I forget the name of it but the moving one that's playing stereo. yeah Moving in Stereo is great but there's a lot of Eagles solo stuff on this record. Oh, yes. These kids would not be listening to Don Henley and Glenn Fry, you right. know. But I think that's they're the camera. not listening to it. It's the overhead music, right? <laughs> but I also think like Cameron Crowe, I think was really close to a lot of these bands. Yeah. I'm sure that's how they got into the movie because you know I know he I know that in Almost Famous, I think uh, the, the the Russell Hammond character I think was based off of um, Glenn Fry because he had known yeah. the Eagles, so it was like a, mm-hmm. a combination of that stuff. But some of the songs, like I said, the songs that are close to the 80s, and I think Heckerling, from what I had heard, really wanted more 80s-style new wave music in yeah. this. But I think the manager, I think he was also the manager of the Eagles, is like, we need to get Don Felder in here, and we need to get Glenn Fry right. and these guys on the sound. It's Stevie but, Nicks is on, but too. I do, yeah, I think the Stevie Nicks song is good. But I will it say, is. That, um, what is it, Love Rules? That was a good choice for when she was trying to seduce Mark. Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. was yeah. I thought that fit the scene. Yeah. But I think if it did too much of the 80s new wave, which was another kind of... Uh, speaking of Valley Girl and obviously a lot of the uh, uh, John Hughes movies, yeah. is that, you know, we didn't all listen to that music. No. You know, and it, it was, the, and, once, and I'll go back to say anything, which I love. Talk about great soundtracks. Oh, that's yeah. a soundtrack. That's that's, that's, you know, but there's. Love that. It's all over the place. There's all kinds of different stuff in there. It's yeah. not just alternative. Now, at that point in time, alternative is getting a little bit more mainstream. It wasn't necessarily a new wave, but there's Aerosmith in there, and there's yeah, you know there's was. all this stuff, and you know which by the way the best high school party scene, 
most authentic high school party scene ever isn't say anything, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. but it's that, but that this, yeah, but like I said, I think it needed to have a little bit more of that, it needed to have more mood setting, and I, you know, yeah, yeah it would have been cooler soundtrack, but I, I don't think it would have been yeah. true to the movie, and it would immediately made one of those, you know, then it becomes this, you know, thing, yeah. it would take me out of it, you know, what one of the testaments really is the fact that it's 2016 and we're still talking about the soundtrack. That kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. yeah. And it did its job. Yeah. Um, I always found it odd, though, that the hit from this was a Jackson Brown song. Because, it, yeah. again, it's like, he seems like from another previous generation. And it's nothing wrong with right. Jackson Brown. I think Jackson Brown's really talented and he's a great songwriter. And I will say that somebody's baby gets stuck in your head yeah. every yeah. time you watch it because they play That's it in so many keys. It was a hit. It was also yeah. so well suited. For the parts of the movie that it was in, right? You know? Yeah, but it's I mean, also yeah. Yeah, so I think that's why it became it was, such a hit is people associated it right with these this fun movie. But it was also nineteen. You realize it's nineteen eighty two. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm I'm older than you guys. And I was right. I remember when this movie came out. Right. Now I obviously it was an, it was an horror movie. Yeah. I didn't see this thing at twelve. You know? <laughs> but I'm, but it's nineteen eighty two. That song that song's very much a nineteen eighty two. There's a, yeah. a there's a part of there's a there's a there is a part of the early eighties eighty one to probably into eighty three where it's just kind of its own thing culturally. You mm. know, um, where just styles and everything was just kind of moving towards what the eighties was going to become. And out of what the seventies come, but which is actually it's a nice little pocket, very cool. Yeah. You know, I like eighty two, eighty two. I yeah. thought it was, you know, uh, it's a real. But yeah, that song is is perfect, right in the pocket for nineteen eighty two. I think you know, yeah, for yeah. nineteen eighty for nineteen eighty four. No, it's a very yeah. sort of flirty song. It's catchy. Yeah. Um, and I think there, it's a little devious. There's something yeah. about it that strikes me as slightly devious, and maybe that was the same case for Amy, and that's why she chose it for those scenes. She'd always play them during the sex scenes. Um, so I don't know. There's just there's something there's some kind of charm about that song that really worked. It's also slightly innocent, mm-hmm. so I think it was like a nice juxtaposition with mm-hmm. having these sex scenes playing like this fun, poppy, kind of innocent um, song. Yeah, and it's interesting because the perspective I had was looking at more like, oh, this is the first '80s film, so it's kind of like, yeah. oh, you would, you would probably expect to have more new wave like Devo right. or something like that. Right, but. You're right. It, it was an interesting pocket where it was really transitioning into the 80s at that time. Mm-hmm. And I guess I always associate Jackson Brown with the 70s because he was like one of the first singer-songwriters to start right. that trend yeah. of like more mellow singer-songwriter. Right. You know, the California sound, like Running on Empty and, you know, yeah. uh, Doctor My Eyes and all that stuff. But it's a good song. It, you yeah. know, clearly, I like a lot of the artists. Like Tom Petty is And this amazing. is a major, yeah. you know, this is a big movie. It is. So they're like, they're not, you know, so the, the studios are like, well, we got to get... I mean, Jackson Brown is, yeah, at this point in time, it's probably 1981 when they're doing these meetings, is huge. Yeah, he is. So they're like, yeah, we got to put, you know, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that they squeezed the Go Go's in there. Yeah, because no, that's, yeah. that's the real shock, really, in retrospect. Yeah. Is like, from what you're saying is that they found the Go Go's, like, okay, this is, that's probably what really starts the 80s there, yeah. is that scene. And I think, people. too, when, when um, you're thinking about music, not just. You don't just think about maybe how well it suits the film, but you also want to keep your target market in mind as well, because those are going to be the people who buy the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's why they kept a lot of more contemporary music, because this movie, I think, high school students, sure, were definitely target market, but so were those early, you know, in those 20s to 30s. Like, it kind yeah. of has a broad target market. Um, and so I think that that's why the soundtrack is a little eclectic. There's a little something kind of in there yeah. for everybody, mm-hmm. um, which is also representative of high school. Right, right. 
You know, and I think I'm I'm somebody, honestly, I'm actually a guy who would be listening to 70s music in the 90s anyway, because yeah. that's the right. stuff I love. I would be the guy who would love this. I, I just thought it was interesting, because I don't know if the kids of the 80s, like you said, the target audience, mm-hmm. if those would be their favorite bands, you know. Well, I think the target favorite. audience, too, for this movie is a little bit more sophisticated than just high school students. I think it really crosses over into folks in their 20s, maybe even people in yeah. their 30s. Um, I think that it was probably, I would say, from 15 to 35. Yeah, yeah, because I think a lot of, yeah, absolutely. Because we talk about Clueless and Amy Heckerling. I was in my probably mid-20s when that movie came out, mid to late 20s. And, you know, I went to go see that movie. And I love that movie. 1995, I was 10. And let me tell you, that movie, like, shaped me. You know what I mean? Wow. I mean, I remember seeing it, and I loved it. That's so, a crossover yeah. with those two, the age, you know, age I, range. I fell in love with the lingo and yeah. just everything about it. So. But it was, yeah, it's that capturing the, the yeah, I mean, it really, and it captured the 90s, yeah. you know, that that feel, though that's not necessarily the 90s, but it was yeah. it was that thing. It was like, it was right there, just, every, every, yeah, you, you, exactly. I go back, I was 20, you know, if it was 1995, I was 25. So mm-hmm. I, that takes me right back to when I was 25. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily there with that, that but, was such a small world. Yeah. but that yeah. takes me yeah but definitely takes me back to to where i was in columbus and, and ohio I, you know yeah, and the cool thing about clueless too um that i personally love just like i do you know what we talked about in the last podcast with the heathers is i love how movies influence the culture how the culture kind of changed after these movies come mm-hmm. out like when clueless was released how many girls did you know that started wearing knee highs yeah and oh yeah skirts? It just transcended, and God that's when that you movie. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. that's when you know you have something yeah. good. Right. You know, right. when, when people want to be like the people that they see in the, in the movies. movies. And that was well, Fast Times was right. so exactly. Spicoli was Spicoli, such a the influence. checked vans. Yeah, the yes. checked vans. If you were nobody, <laughs> I remember that going into probably eighth grade. After this movie came, probably came out in the summer, so it's going into eighth grade, and every kid had a pair of check vans. Yeah. And if you were a poor kid like I was, you didn't have a pair of check vans. You had a pair of checked pair of I don't care, whatever they were called. They, they were from not Buster Brown, but something like that, Stride Ride or Kenny Shoes or one of those, you know. Yeah. You, but you could tell that they were the ones, and you got bagged on. Yeah. And I got yeah. I mean, I and it didn't last for long for me because it was like mine were not the genuine vans off the walls, but. My mom couldn't afford those, yeah. and I got a, I got a lot of yeah. You get a lot of guff for not having those checked vans first day of school, you know. No. Exactly, and how important was the first day of and, school? And, and lingo, so a lot of that yeah. '80s lingo. So 19, I was watching it in gnarly and yes. and and all and stuff. At the end, at the you know at the end of the movie where you know Brad hits the the guy robbing the mm-hmm. convenience store. And, and, and I, it's kind of funny because a lot of Spicoli's lines, as you think, are so prevalent right yeah. there. A lot of it seems a, it, it's there's a little bit of a music bed over it. A lot yeah. of the stuff that I remember was so clearly, but it wasn't. Because when he goes, awesome, totally awesome, totally awesome. That's two words that define the 80s. Yeah. And that came from him saying that in that movie. When I, when I heard him say it, and I've seen that movie a million times, I went, and it just clicked in my head that time. I went, oh, my God. That's... Were that because people now, you know, it's just like yeah. Clueless did with whatever. Exactly. That defined the nineties, yeah. right? Yeah. Defined whatever. It, yeah. And as yeah. if, yeah. yeah. Talking about Spicoli too, in general, like how iconic that character yes. has yeah. become. Like, like that defined. Like when we talk about the eighties movie, that character became yeah. the defining eighties surfer yeah. dude character. 
I mean, just to see how far this reached, like when I was a kid in the late 80s, you're watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Michelangelo's yeah. there, Calabunga yeah. dude. Yeah. You, you just think, okay, this is a cool character. But I saw Fast Times, like, holy shit, that's, that's Michelangelo. That's Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Michelangelo's the G rated Spicoli. And to know? the credit of Sean Penn, because in the, in the hands of a lesser actor, you know, and that's the thing, this, this, this part is so below Sean Penn. Yeah, you put it. You put it up against him in Taps or yeah. uh, Bad Boys or you know, uh, you know at close range. You know all these you know fantastic movies he did in the eighties. This is although nothing. this is my favorite Sean Penn. I have yeah. to say, on but top of his that, you know. but he he really brought a realist a genuineness to this. He yeah. didn't play. He wasn't dumb. And he wasn't stoned. It was yeah. just who he was. I mean, it was that was the thing. It was very genuine. Yeah. It was yeah. we you know imitating him as kids and doing the lines. You know, I realized we made it bigger and we made it more broad. He right. was not making this part broad, but I think that's a testament to why I think it's there because he really just you know brought that to that character that yeah it spawned all this stuff and it spawned you know well the TV show I don't remember mm-hmm. was this late eighties also directed by Amy Heckerling. Wow, I do. It was called it was called Fast that. Times. It was called yeah. Fast Times. Yeah, Fast directed time. by Amy Heckerling. Starring, oh gosh, I didn't write his name down. I wish I had known his name because because that movie kind of uh, spawned one of my favorite teen comedies of the eighties. A lot of people know Summer School. Uh, oh, yeah. Mark Harmon. Mark Harmon. Yeah. But uh, the guy that plays Spicoli is the guy that plays Chainsaw. Is the same actor that plays Chainsaw, and uh, and you know, so that's kind of that whole six degrees again. And speaking right. of Amy Heckerling, going back to Clueless, um, there's a character in Clueless. Um, uh, what was his name? It's played by Brecklin Meyer and how the name Travis. Is. Travis, yeah. thank yes. you. He is kind of like an homage to Spicoli. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Although that might have bothered me a little bit because he's not Spicoli exactly. in that movie. That's a weaker but moment. But I think of that she film, was maybe think, trying cause... to recreate that for the gener- the nineties generation. Right. But once again, but did not down, did not play it. Exactly. Did not play it as a. a, a didn't play it broadly though, yeah. right? You know, when Breckenbauer was a really great actor, yeah. I mean, but mm-hmm. but yeah, he played that once again, played it very genuinely, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Absolutely, and we all rooted for Travis to get the tie in the right. end, right? You know, but 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 Spicoli, I think, is just a higher level character in general. Like, I think there was one list, I think it was either in Sight and Sound or Empire Magazine. I think he was in the top ten greatest movie mm-hmm. characters of all time, like yeah. by the people who voted in. So. Well, I'm not, and, and I totally agree with that. I'm not saying that Travis is better. What I'm trying to say is that Spicoli was so influential that that, that carried over, used yeah. It again yeah, to try right. to to try to introduce that to like a new generation, right? Because that genre of character was so well liked. Exactly. I mean, you know, he he is so authentic in this movie, and I think that's what makes the, the character work so well. But those scenes with Mr. Hand, oh are god, classic, oh. so well constructed. Yeah, how much? How much do I love Ray Walston? I, I was I, like, I am over the moon. Like same, he is like, phenomenal. Like this finding movie. something new yeah. in that, and that's what I found yeah. new. Now I know all the lines from Mr. Hand. I've seen him in the time, yeah. but it was like yeah. just watching Ray Walston's performance yeah. as Mr. Hand, and I was like, oh my god, I am in love with this <laughs> Can man. Can we just talk yeah. about the name Mr. Hand? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, how funny is that? It's, yeah. it's Mr. Hand. Yeah. Yeah, Leo. Aloha. I'm Mr. Hand. Yeah, I mean, he puts on a clinic because he is every hardcore old school teacher yeah. you've ever had. I mean, everybody instantly recognizes him, and he plays that to a T. Like, I feel like I'm being dis- I yeah. feel like I'm being schooled by him, and I'm watching the TV but screen. At the same That's how time, it is. He's very um, uh, 
uh, what's the right word to say? But at the same time, he's also very relatable. Like in that scene where he goes to Spigoli's house, yeah, yeah. And he wants to initially punish him for eight hours of his time, and I don't know, maybe he spends two hours tops, right? But he bonds with Spicoli and they have a good time, and he says, "You know what? You're a kid. Go out, and have right. fun." You know? And yeah, I mean, so, really, he, he gets Spicoli all the way. Absolutely, he completely gets him. Like that's what I love. Like in, in a lesser movie, Spicoli would be outsmarting the teacher. Yeah. It doesn't happen here. The teacher consistently outsmarts him. He's not him, phased by Spicoli he's not at all. By a bit. Yeah. No, I mean, and he always has the up, no pun intended, the upper hand on Spicoli yeah. in every scene. I mean, that scene when they order the pizza, you know, learning like, about oh. Cuba having some grub, and he just takes the takes the pizza. It's my favorite scene in the movie. He goes, "All right, I'm going to." He gives all yeah. the last names out. Give it out. He goes, "Get a good one." Yeah. <laughs> he starts eating it. It just yeah doesn't even owned. <laughs> it doesn't even trip him up. Yeah. Know? Now this has not right. happened to him before. But once again, you're right. It's just like this. You know, he's he's throwing curveballs. It's probably you knew. He said you probably get a kid like me every year. Yeah. But it's like actually, it probably gets worse every year. Like, yeah. You know. But it's like, but now he's like, well, I, you know. So he's not ready for anything. You know. Yeah. Whatever you're gonna throw at him, and he's not seen it yet. But that's all right because he can get around it. No yeah. kids ordered a pizza to his class yet, but he's like, okay, all right. You know, this is how you want to go about it. Then that's fine. His yeah. performance is spot on too. He does oh, not miss a beat. Yeah. It, it is a clinic. I love him in this movie, and I think he was. Best known prior to this for my favorite Martian yeah. on the TV show, exactly. which I haven't really oh, seen too often. Yeah, but uh, he was in the Sting. I remember he was in. He was in yes, Sting. He was. Yes. Yeah, he, was yeah. in the Sting. he played the guy that was getting on the. the feet. He was in. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, and he was also uh, the paper uh, guy, the, the the newspaper guy in Johnny Dangerously, directed oh. by Amy Heckerling. Amy Heckerling. <laughs> <laughs> So, I haven't seen that movie yet. Oh my gosh, to, really? I see it. Michael Keaton's in yeah. it. Oh my gosh. I think it's on Netflix. I, I, it's, it's, I'm going to be watching it tonight. Oh, I cannot, you have to watch that movie. I yeah. love that movie. Just a great... In the, in the spirit of the... Uh, what was it? The Zucker films, the airplane, you know, before they got really bad and everybody decided that they could pull these movies off. But yeah. Johnny Dangerously is in the, in the, but in the vein of... Airplane, yeah. You know? I mean, of, yeah. of that caliber, of that kind of farce movie, you know. And oh yeah, God, this is fantastic. Oh, I can't believe you haven't seen the movie. I heard about a side note because I heard that Amy Hickerling loved James Cagney when she was a kid. Like she grew up loving James Cagney movies, and that's why she did Johnny yeah. Dangerously as like a tribute. She said that it bombed at the box office when it was first released yeah. because. It was so niche-oriented with 30s gangster yeah. movies yeah. that nobody got it, but she said that Brian De Palma saw it and laughed hysterically from oh, yeah. start to finish. Well, it has like, to be. It had to be people like that who got yeah, it. Yeah, um, and honestly, probably the best, probably Joe Piscopo's best on-screen performance ever. That's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's great. Joe Pisco was great in that movie, you know. Because yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. God, it's, good, it's good. Well worth watching. Well worth watching. But uh, yeah, getting back to this, like with Walston and and, and Penn, they have such great chemistry. Oh here. yeah. And I also love Penn's chemistry with um, with Reinhold. I love Judge Reinhold too. In I this do movie. too. He's, oh yeah, yeah he, he's my favorite. He looks a little too old from a, a first standpoint to playing a high school senior. But I know why they cast him, because there's an innocence in Judge Reinhold's eyes. Like, he plays yeah. cocky in the beginning, but he's believable when things don't go his way. I mean, right. he, he gets probably that just looks old because he's so tall. Yeah, he is. If but he weren't as tall, he may not, you know, he's, might be... Well, he is like 27 when he made his... And he's actually younger yeah. than the other two guys. The guy that plays Damone... Yeah, and they got it yeah. with Mark. Really, both older, older yeah. than Judge Ryan on it. Really, yeah. that makes sense. He was cast in this because he was like a neighbor of Amy Amy Heckerling's at the time, and oh, okay. I think she he, she was dating her 
best friend or something like that. So they were all really close, and they didn't think of him because they thought of him as an adult because yeah. he was so close to him. Yeah. But then he said, "Well, but maybe he should audition." But it really is great because he they yeah. set the character up that way. He's even though he's 17, 18 years old, he acts like he's like thirty. Yeah, you know? yeah. the whole thing and the way he acts in the day and the old like just proud of that sky blue four door. Awesome. It's a cool car, yeah. but like. You know, in the 80s, probably, yeah, I'm telling you right now, I mean, once again, being in the 80s in high school, a classic car like that's awesome if it's got two doors and it's not sky blue, you know? Yeah. It was like, but he was like, yeah, man, this is, you know, this is, the, and all his buddies were like, yeah, that's the car, the cruising yeah, vessel, exactly. you know? They showed the scene where he's pulling up to high school and everybody's saying hi. Yeah, you know. It's funny you mention cars because there's a scene where uh, Spicoli wrecks uh, Forrest Whitaker. Oh, yeah. yeah. 228, yeah. It's where they just... It seems like they just throw Spicoli in any random scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this character's going to take off. He's Because he just shows up in weird places. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't yeah. think that character would be in. Like, well, but he's talking... Because yeah. that's the thing. Well, they established that. I think it, it, you think that... But they established it earlier because at the uh, when 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 the movies when, at, the, at the arcade yeah when uh, yeah when when Forrest Whitaker goes up and gets you know, worth winning fire stickers for my little brother well as when he walks in with his little brother Spicoli walks up to him and goes hey man play ya like you know so yeah. they, they established yeah. that Spicoli hung out at the arcade and obviously this kid hangs out at the yard so they established that those guys were friends yeah. you know yeah earlier so but still but yeah I know what you're saying because when I first saw it <laughs> you're like why are these two guys hanging out <laughs> right well it's just like he, he well he shows up and they show him about the football game obviously he's at the football game yeah. the whole the right. whole setup with the car being the other team yeah. and destroyed it and you know right it's you know you it's like, yeah. everybody's at the football game, which yeah. never really happens. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, yeah. It does happen in high school. Sometimes. But everybody's yeah. into the football game. Everybody, all of our characters, not sitting in the stands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nobody's there, not caring about what's going on. But yeah, it was really great. It was that whole thing of just like, you know, it doesn't really happen in high school. But it was pretty close. Everybody's really being supportive of each other yeah. through this whole movie. Yeah. And uh, you know, well, they do show that uh, uh, they had the pepper alley. Oh, I love that scene. Oh. Where they're not interested with yeah. the uh, yeah. other cheerleader. <laughs> she gives that speech like, you know, it takes a lot of courage to get up yeah, here and do something you know you're going to be made yeah. fun of for. Played I like by, that actress. She's really Kelly good. Maroney. Kelly yeah. Maroney, who has also played a cheerleader, <laughs> and another one of my favorite '80s movies, Night of the Comet, who played yeah. the little obnoxious uh, younger sister uh, in, in, in Night of the Comet, which was kind of a kind of a zombie movie, uh, probably like 1984, 1985. And she also played a cheerleader in that movie as well. When I saw her, I was like, "Oh my god!" Wow. I got to find it. She covers yeah. the comment on cheerleading. You know, yeah, she in definitely 80s covers movies. it. But she's dude, she's dead spot on. Yeah. 80s cheerleader. That's what that's what the girls oh, in my right. high school look yeah. like. You know, who were cheerleaders. One thing I wanted to go back on about Brad, um, how we all talked about how he kind of we thought he was the oldest one. He just looks like an adult and everything yeah. like that. And even his characters kind of he puts on their front like he's an adult. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that we say that because in this way, in in a way, he is the only adult in this movie. Like actually, Stacy's parents are never seen. Mm-hmm. In the whole movie, we never see any parents. Yeah, they're absolutely. They're always out of town or whatever. And then, uh, more importantly, the scene after she has the abortion, who's there, you know, waiting for her, Brad. Mm-hmm. And he takes care of her, gives her a meal, and you, you know, just see that he's just a nice guy. And um, I love the way they handle that sequence really oh, yeah. well too. Like it's 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 realistic. Like mm-hmm. you know, they don't judge, they don't make a moral judgment on her doing it. Yeah. Right. It's a decision she makes. Yeah. It's part of everyday life. 
and Brad, you know, is there. Even though Brad's not handling it completely well, but he's well, a he's, he's a, a kid. He's, right. he's a brother. brother. Right. Anybody would well, be angry about that. Right. But, but he's, he's still him. sensitive to it. Yeah, situation. he's sensitive to it, yeah. but he's not judging. He's not bitch. He's like, hey, you exactly. want to talk about? It? Yeah. You're not gonna tell me who it is. No. Okay. Well, we're just and gonna. He said, yeah, I respect that. Yeah, I'm there for you. I, you know, yeah, that, yeah, really, it shows that they have really great. Mm-hmm. Relationship that yeah. there's, you know, that yeah, it's that they're really. But I thought close. it said a lot about Brad's character and the fact that he is kind of like the most adult-like, yeah, um, throughout the whole yeah. film in the way that he handles things. I mean, he gets fired, you know. Yeah, he gets a little depressed, but he's very resilient. He's probably one of the most resilient characters, I think. Well, yeah, he gets fired. What's interesting, did you notice how he gets fired? The first time he gets fired is because of the meal, angry yeah, angry guy. The second time he does have an issue with a customer too, and then he gets us. The third time he has an issue with a customer, but that issue at the convenience store gets him promoted. Yeah. In the, in the final sequences, so it's works in threes. That's yeah. like an old comedy <laughs> switch. It's like he fails the first time, fails the second right. time, but we're gonna give him so a victory. Just, here. Same thing he does. He gets he gets. Uh, and Spicoli's in that scene yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. like there you oh, go. he's everywhere. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's yeah. ubiquitous. <laughs> You know, but I do love, like, Brad and... Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I do love Brad and Spicoli together because the first scene they're in... Like, some of my favorite lines in the movie happen with those two where he oh, goes, yeah. uh, what's the sign say? There's no shirts, no shoes, no dogs. Anthony Edwards. That is yeah, Anthony yeah. Edwards. He's yeah. playing one of the stoner buddies. Yeah, yeah, he is. And Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz, yeah. And then he goes, what's he go, live it? Learn it. Live it. Learn it. Love it. The way Judge Reinhold delivers it. And then, I think... Which is also a phrase that caught on. Yeah. And yes. What movie was it in? Um, it was in a. I, I, there's a girl that says it. Live it. Oh, Jawbreaker in 1999. <laughs> God, I, 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 I love that movie. Learn <laughs> it, love it. She says that yeah. at some point. I yeah. watched that recently too. I think That's it was on Netflix movie. or something. Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another good soundtrack. Another good soundtrack. <laughs> I have to give a shout out to my dad. His favorite line is from Brad too. It's the one about the secret sauces when they're discussing. Oh yeah, them. oh yeah. That, yeah. that was uh, interesting. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, ketchup and yesterday ketchup. Yeah. And he goes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is true of all those secret sauces too. It's oh yeah. Just oh, the food shit. in this movie looks terrible. It does. Yes. It's, it's it, this is not a Tarantino movie where that food looks great. It's yeah. just right. the opposite. And well, you know, coming as uh, you know, like, a restaurant person. Person, which I am, you know, I got yeah. you know, 25 years in the business, and yeah. really funny watching the scenes, which they're they're just giving them something to do while they're you know while they're having dialogue. But between yeah. Stacy and Linda, they're doing a lot of stuff. With beginning of the movie, they've got Stacy putting a pizza in the oven, and she's yeah. a waitress, she's not going to be doing that. Yeah. And then at one point in time, they're sitting there cutting this big, huge tube of bologna or something. Yes. Uh, and yeah. I'm like, you waitresses, for one thing, waitresses at a pizza place, I don't think you're going to have bologna. You know, <laughs> and for that you're not no. going to be doing any food prep. No. You know. Yes, and there was another scene where they were baking cookies or cutting cookies. Yeah. Because I thought the same thing. I thought, wait a minute, what kind of restaurant is this? Right. That you have bologna and pizza. But they had to have them doing something. I mean, I, I understood what they were doing. You know, yeah. well, well, you know, the cashier, space work. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know. It's yeah. weird they have like the they have the cashier too. You yeah. Go up and order the cashier. They have waitresses. Yeah, yeah. Weird yeah. Set up like they have both. I think it, it just it made no, it very it convenient to yeah. to the you know it was yeah thing of just like they got to be able to get him something the, to do the lost and found scene where it's actually pretty smooth of him to go up and ask oh him. yeah he does it very well it wasn't yeah. like he was scared or anything right um, which is kind of nice because in most movies he'd be like um, um, he just goes up and does it right. perfectly which yeah. a lot of the yeah, uh, he was kind of remember the, it took him a while to get right. to that point to go yeah. up there but the the. We're talking about like the kissing scenes between Mark and Stacey. Actually, Stacey and all three of her love scenes. Yeah, really genuine of of where yeah. all that kind of 
leads up to. Yeah. But, you know, but especially with Mark and Stacey, it was very sweet. I and thought it was sweet, too. Really, really reminded me of high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Of, it like, does. The, of like, with a girl. Awkward, but you guys like, oh. like each other, and you're just, and it was just. scared, and one of you Yeah. I go back to the, even the, with uh, Damone, the iced tea. Just something Oh, about yeah. Because she's like, what do adults do? Oh, they eat, get a beverage. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Get iced tea. He's like, oh, this is very good iced tea. All right, you mind if I get changed? You want to go swimming? It's like yeah. just jumping around and trying to figure out what to do. Because yeah. they don't know what to do. Yeah, they, right, they don't exactly. know what to do. Yeah. yeah. Or does he? You know, even though he exactly. likes everything. Because yeah. he's there. Yeah. It's well, that's probably one of the number one things about this movie. Just kind of circling back to what we said in the beginning. None of them know what they're doing. No. And yeah. that is representative of high school kids. It is. Yeah. Everybody thinks they haven't figured out. Even down into the college they pick. And then they get right. to that college and guess what? They realize they don't know nothing. They right. don't. And that's kind of the story of life. When Just when you think you have things figured out, something happens. And that's you you that's Mr. Hand. Uh, Mr. Hand basically saying, you guys don't know shit. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's exactly. I mean, the whole movie is like, what is this fascination with truancy? You know? Yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I love how he starts blaming the other teachers, which is also true, because there's always a yeah. teacher in your high school. Like, I know in our high school is like that. The teachers always critique other teachers and yeah. how they don't do things in class. So, I think oh. he just he just refuses to not be himself. Right. Kids late, you know, he's probably been teaching for 20 years. Oh, yeah. More Kids are that. late all the time. But yeah. he's not, that doesn't mean that he's not going to expect every kid to show up no. on time every single day. Another yeah. great, another great scene is the cadaver scene. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Why are you bringing high school kids to a morgue? Why? Put the lines in there. That was so weird. Yeah. yeah. What's the lines? Uh, what's the name of the teacher? Uh, that. Oh, not God, Mr. Hand. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's Spicoli went on that visit. Spicoli shows up there too. And he goes, You're not in this class. He goes, I am today. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like they said, This is our, this is the, the well, he is top bill, it's John Penn. Yeah. Like, which, I don't think any of them were major no, stars. No, no. Um, but. I think it means They realized it was like how. They knew this was a money in the Did bank you know, character. They, they, actually, they actually were thinking about Christopher Reeve for Spicoli as well. Really? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was like. And this I, is after Superman. Could you imagine? I, that, oh my, my mind God. would be. I don't know. Nobody could compute that after <laughs> Superman. That no. would just be too mind blowing. And they or, offered the directing would, to David he Lynch. He wouldn't be viable as a teacher. To David Lynch? Yeah. David Lynch turned oh this movie down. He'd be a good brat. Did he want to direct it? They offered it to him, but he said it wasn't. Now, if David Lynch directed this, I would. Love to see, I would I love to see Christopher Reeve and Spicoli. Oh my I think God. that would have been a completely different but genius movie. They, with, I think they and most a, of all the listeners know by now I love David Lynch. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you that morgue scene with David Lynch would be far more disturbing. <laughs> oh my God. You know, oh God. It would, you wouldn't be able to... The, and uh, I guess... The heart would probably beat. Why would you think of David Lynch for this movie in the first place? I, yeah. I, I don't see where the I gateway would he, be. Maybe because it was offbeat at the time. It was slightly offbeat. Yeah, it. but it's also it was very grounded. You know. yeah, it was very grounded. And yeah. he wasn't... He hadn't... He, was, what, he, he had done he a racer. Elephant Man, maybe. An elephant, he had done yeah. Elephant Man in 80. So he was not necessarily hadn't really. I mean, he'd done he wasn't branded at that. He point. wasn't branded at this point in time. He could have pulled off a very now. It would have been a lot like an elephant man would have. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. He would come out of that movie ready to commit suicide. But, Holy yeah. shit! This past yeah. times are so dark. But I, so I totally get that. I mean, he yeah, he might have been working on Blue Velvet too. Yeah, you yeah, know, like writing. Like he might have been in the. Yeah, Four. you know, so that could also be another reason. When he said that was a funny yeah. script, it just wasn't his thing. Yeah, just, no, yeah. I, I could I agree with him. Yeah, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's good. I mean, at least he knows what's right. going on. But Matthew Broderick was offered the role of Brad, 
But uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it would have been horrible. Yeah, it would have been horrible. And yeah. I love Doug Reinhold so good. Yeah, and uh, Tom Hanks is off for Brad too. I, I could see that. I Tom see Hanks could have done yeah, it. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I think there's something quirky and awkward about Judge oh, he, Reinhold. He, he, well, Judge right. Reinhold plays so, that character yeah, and everything he does, but to right. a T perfectly. He does. He plays that put upon. I'm sorry. What, Tom sorry. Hanks is kind of too polished. I feel like. Yeah. There's there's a. It would have been different. But at the time, at the time, I don't know because his first movie was probably Bachelor Party. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't yeah. that polished. Well, it was no, he no, he did it Friday the Thirteenth or something like that before that. But, That's true. That's yeah. true. Tom Hanks has really Tom strong Hanks. comedic chops. I could see him doing something different with Brad. It would be a different take, but I think it might still be strong because I yeah. see he has that everyman quality right. that Judge Reinhold also has. But Tom, yeah, Matthew Broderick, absolutely not. No, way too yeah. polished at, at that age. He was way too. Yeah, polished. I think he actually. I think Tom Hanks was considered, considered which I yeah. think every reading everybody. Every name that was in that I think twenty-five to yeah. eighteen. She know we go down the cast list of who was for yeah. yeah. Who was. Well, Nick Cage actually auditioned for Brad, but they, he lied about his age. Nick Cage was actually one of the youngest. He was only seventeen when he filmed this. Yeah, I cannot and, see. And him, he, but... he he was too dark. They thought yeah. he was too dark. So and that's that's why he ended up being well. He yeah. ended up being Valley Girl. Yeah, it's like the punk you know kid. Yeah, he, he played it too dark. And Brad, kinda... I always felt Nicholas Cage, even when he was twenty, it looked like he was forty anyway. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like you know, in the eighties, you see him. And... See that he looked too dark. Yeah, like yeah, too, I agree. Too almost like gothic or punk kind of. Where yeah. I think the character of Brad really needed to look kind of like somewhat wholesome and bright. Because yeah. he was right. very optimistic. Like I said earlier, he was one of the most resilient characters. I mean, he probably, with the exception of Stacy and the abortion, because that's pretty traumatizing, you know, for a young person, for you know anyone really. But he really endured some of the most embarrassing and awkward moments in the whole film. His character really went through a lot. When you mm. stop and think about yeah. the timeline of what happened to him throughout the whole film... You know, he got fired. He got walked in on. Right. Masturbating. I mean, all these different things that yeah. are just so embarrassing for the Hamilton for kids. The Hamilton kids had a rough yeah. way to go in this they movie. They did. But and he they, was yeah. still always so optimistic. Yeah. Throughout the yeah. whole movie, and and I think there's a lightness to him um, that direct that the writers and directors probably really wanted. And I definitely don't think Nick Cage could have. No. Not at all. I 100% agree with you. I think they picked the absolutely right guy. Yeah. And not only with Brad, but everybody. Because it sounds like the casting was extensive, but the, also the casting was spot on. Like, they probably saw a lot of people, yeah. but they made the absolute right decisions yeah. in every case with everybody they cast. Because I can't imagine anybody else playing these roles after this cast. You know, Jennifer Jason Lee, I think, is outstanding in this movie because she yeah. plays innocence. Well, they, you mentioned it earlier. They had a TV show... Called Fast Times, where they recast all the kids. Right. With, uh, yeah. Well, the teachers were the same. Mr. Oh, Hanks yeah, that's right. Ray yeah, Ray Walston. And uh, Vincent, um, was it Scalari? Chevelli? Chevelli. Yeah. Chevelli. Yeah. Chevelli. Chevelli. He has one of the best lines in the movie. Like, I just switched to Sanka. So have a. So have a. Yeah, well, I like the cadaver scenes. Like, this, this person. <laughs> thankfully died recently. Yeah, he's like, thankfully died and offered. Offered his, uh, sold his body to science. How much was that? 30, 40 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I was going to ask, like, who is your favorite character in the movie? I'll go around the table and see what people. Go ahead, go to somebody if I got to think about that. <laughs> Obviously, Brad. It's a good choice. I just, you know, I don't know. There's something about, um, the character that I just loved and that, that I guess I felt like I connected with because in high school, I really was. The epitome of the good girl. I mean, I was very positive and optimistic. I still am. Um, I had, a, I had, a, I worked about thirty hours a week as a florist in high school, so I was that person who had the after-school job. I could relate to that. 
Um, I was also well known and liked, but I wasn't popular. Like I was not a Phoebe Cates, but like Brad, people waved and smiled. Like I feel like I had a good reputation like he did. I don't know, I just saw a lot of qualities in him that I kind of had growing up and um, there's just that quirky charm that I always am attracted to in men, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just, I really liked him. Yeah, my favorite character, I would say, is Mr. Hand. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I just, I love, you know, people that are, uh, just the way his character was, like, so, like, there was completely sure of himself. There was nothing that can phase him. He's just completely, um, but at the same time, he really gives a damn about the kids. He just, but it's like that tough, kind of tough love. The exterior is really tough. But he's also bemused by them. He's like, yeah. he, he really is confused yeah. why they yeah, act the way yeah. they are. It's like, don't you know that none of this, <laughs> this is like anti antithetical to uh, any success that you could possibly have in life is the way you're acting now. Um, but uh, just the way he delivers lines. I like, you know, I like older actors when they get the chance to play kind of more. I guess it was a serious role for him, but it is very comedic the way he plays it. And, what um, is the deal with truants here? What is yeah, this it's like, what is this fascination <laughs> with truants? I love that he also uses a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. What gets funny. inside your heads? Yeah. 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 Is everybody on dope? Yeah. Well, I love when he's passing out, you know, this is a trope in a lot of teen movies. Yeah. People passing out tests and openly disparaging the kids with these yeah. test oh, results. Yeah, that, 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 that was a lot. Probably the first, and yeah. one, probably another reference that you guys don't get is yeah. them smelling the paper. Yeah. Yes. Oh, first, yes. Yeah. Because back then was. they would copy, it wasn't like a regular copy machine like you would see now, but like, yeah, you would get your test papers and you could still smell the ink and it was a, <laughs> such an awesome smell. Yeah. <laughs> it was such an awesome smell. It was smell. like a little high or yeah. something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. I w I'm with Scott, like, Mr. Hand is my favorite character. I, I love the efficiency of the character, too. Just like, bring him in. You know, he snaps yeah. his fingers, gets a kid. I mean, yeah. he's so efficient. <laughs> and I really can't add anything to what Scott said, because I think he covered pretty much everything I'd say. But, you know, with Tony, my second would probably be Brad. Like, I, I yeah. love Reinhold and, and Wallstrom. I think he did a good job carrying the film, because I feel like the that I feel, in a lot of ways, like, the film was really carried by Brad. Yeah. Because somehow, way, shape, or form, all the characters had a connection to Brad. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was that central character, even though that may not have been intended. I feel that it kind of yeah. came off that way. So I think he did a really good job. Of and I miss Judge Reinhold as an actor. Me I wish too. we saw him more often. Yeah. You know, it's I think shame. The, the last times I saw him was in the Santa Claus franchise. He played like the stepdad. Um, yeah. He Tim, was, Tim Allen's like new wife. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, he played the stepdad. He was great in Ruthless People, and he was. There was that movie with French Savage, that body switch movie, yeah. and Vice Versa. Yeah, yeah. Vice yeah. Versa. Yeah. like Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, and yeah. then he did a movie called Head Office, which I, I love that. That's, there's another good 80s movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, with a lot of great. Uh, 80s actors in it don't, a lot of great movies a lot of great performances Rick Moramis' performance oh, in that is fantastic he's fantastic yeah. in yeah. and uh, yeah so my okay I, I'll preface by saying that because it has to be said obviously yeah Mr. Han and, and Spicoli I yeah. mean mm -hmm. you cannot say I mean like I said iconic yeah. and just masterfully done by Sean Penn you you looking right. watching this movie again Wishing that more great actors would take those kind of parts. That's kind of like Brad Pitt in True Romance, where you're just like, man, you know, somebody please just you know take these ridiculous parts and make them awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but having said that, and at least this viewing of it, it was it was Stacy. 
Mm-hmm. I really, oh, yeah. yeah. It just she had the best. She had the best arc, you know, mm-hmm. through the whole thing, and just really, I mean, watching it this time. And it's kind of funny because it's like, I know it's going to happen. Yeah. But I'm still like rooting for it. Just like, you know, in the yeah. part where, but not remembering everything because it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. But I just I remember like when I was watching this and she's in the bedroom with Mark and I'm like, and I'm sitting there going, no, don't, don't do that. No, you're, you're screwing this up, Stacy. You know, you like, he likes you. Don't, you know, and just, yeah. but I just, but, and then she, you know, she redeems herself and, and, but yeah, she just, uh, once again, is a you know, testament to one of my favorite actors is Jennifer Stacey Lee as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, she's, she's a risk taker too. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it starts with this movie because yeah. this is a risky role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she showed nudity in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, almost full nudity. It yeah. yeah. set the bar for her career. I guess, they, I guess they had a full nude scene that they didn't put in. Okay, see, I, there's Was that a couple. With Jennifer Jason Lee? Or yes. They're, they're, no. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Okay. They must have cut it out. Damn it, I knew it in Netflix. I remember watching this going, she shows. Uh, pardon me, Damone. Damone, no, no, she shows Bush. I remember, but there is a. I guess Damone had a full front. Oh, did he? Too. Oh, okay. They, they took their in, in that one. Of they, course, they, they, they like, but they the cut. Yeah, and, and they cut. Yeah. Actually, and I don't know if I want to see on, that. Not on Netflix. <laughs> I watched it on Amazon, and they cut another scene out where Spicola and his buddies are in the bathroom calling. When he calls Mr. Hand a dick, there's a scene right after that where they're in the bathroom calling him a fucking dick. And they cut. I just realized that they yeah. cut that. Amazon cut that out too. Oh, I'm so mad now. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I hate I'm when they do that. Sending to an email so fast. Preserve it as it was. Exactly. But yeah, but Stacy was. Yeah, I mean, just I like she said, just resonate. But like I said, it's yeah. really. I am very like right now. Jennifer Jason Lee is uh, uh, even though the last movie I saw her in her was freaking horrible and she's great in it but um mm. is that the hit plate yeah okay. <laughs> and uh but you know just everything because you know like the movie georgia i watch probably once or twice a year uh uh once again my, my boy max perlick's in that mm. too but it's just uh, so great in that movie she's in a lot of noah bombach's movie which movies which i'm a big fan of so he's a great director too. I, I i just love her i she just has a presence and it just and from a female perspective too i definitely can say that the character of stacy even though um, she made some poor choices, which all women and all people, for that matter, can relate to, especially in high school. Yeah. She, you do, she is very endearing, and you do root for her. And yeah. you do really, you sense that she's a good person, and you do hope that things turn out okay for her in the end. Um, which is not always the case with characters that might have, right. you know, that start off with that kind of reputation. But I think because she is young, and there's just an innocence and a right. charm about her, that, yeah, I mean, even, you know, when I first saw it, my first couple scenes she was in, I was like, whoa! But then towards the end, it's like, okay, I'm glad things worked out for right. her. And, um, you know, she seems kind of like she's changing. Like she wanted, she now has a good romance with Mark. And seems right. like she uh, didn't, you know, I think it was noted in the end credits, you know, they still haven't been all the way. Right, haven't gone all the way. So she learned her lesson, and I think that right. that's smart of her. Um, so, yeah, you know, I certainly yeah. see and it's, that. Yeah. She's the heart and soul of the movie. Yeah. Like the movie yeah. kind of revolves around Absolutely. her arc, like you it, said. It, it grounds it, it grounds this movie. But it it, does. The rest of it wouldn't be quite so. It would be a lot more lofty. It would be a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a lot more lighter. And and yeah. and, and, and if they hadn't done. And yeah. like Brad, she sort of has a connection to everybody else in the movie yeah. as well. So in a way, I kind of feel like maybe it's the Hamiltons that are the. I see. I'd say they're the Cunninghams of this yeah, universe. I think they are. The, I think the movie is more about yeah. the Hamiltons than anybody else. And yeah. Everybody else yeah. is kind of though. You know, it is a little bit about Mark and Mike too. But yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing. And I really think that's like Amy Hackerling. I really think that she might have taken this. 
script and because of that, like, you know, when you think about it, like watching it now as opposed to watching it, I, you know, how many times when I was in high school and I was in my 20s, what have you, of going, yeah, you know, watching Ford, like you're rooting for Mark. But it's like, yeah. this time I'm like, I'm not rooting for Mark so much. Yeah. I'm rooting for Stacy. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. man, you know, I mean, not that I don't, but it's like, yeah, I don't really care whether or not Mark gets Stacy. I'm more concerned whether Stacy. Realizes that she takes care of herself and realizes that Mark's who she needs to be. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's so real. I mean, I think this movie's more than holds up. I think Crow did a great job with the script. I mean, you could tell all the effort he put into researching this going undercover really pays off because the attention to detail, the dialogue is very authentic. This is exactly how kids talk to each other. Uh, So there's a lot of attention to detail, even with the teacher dialogue and just the interactions with things. I think it more than holds up. You can see how influential, like another movie, Days and Confused. Right, Water yeah, certainly took cues from this movie. Yeah, yeah um, and like Clueless, which is a direct correlation because of Heckerling. But you know, pretty much even Heather's, I think, is a darker tone. But yeah. Heather's exists probably because those, of yeah, past all that times stuff. Was and, able and, to lift well, them. Because say past anything, times you know. made it okay for a movie like that, Heather's to be right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it really set the time. John, who certainly was aware of fast times at some point in his oh, life, absolutely. you know, he, yeah. he basically said, okay, we're going to take this and add some more drama to it, you right. know, like make it more like The Breakfast Club. That would not have existed without the right because he did what 16 was 16 candles, 16. his first movie, right? Yeah, that was a yeah. couple years after that was fast 80, times. Yeah, it was 84. 84 yeah. yeah, it was 84. No, no, he did Breakfast Club. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did 16 candles, Breakfast Club. Then Pretty I, Pink. Pretty and then Pink. San, or, no, Say Anything was Cameron Crowe. Say Anything yeah. was Cameron Crowe. Like I said, that was the... Uh, I think Ferris Bueller captured... Ferris Bueller... Well, yeah, Ferris Bueller closest was... to this movie in terms of tone. Yeah. Yeah. Because even down to the teachers. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the way the teachers are. Bueller. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I, think it, I think it more than holds up. What do you guys think in general? Absolutely. Just, uh, Actually, after having said all this stuff and all this thing, I really don't think it did hold up. Oh. oh. I... Enjoyed the movie. I was watching it. I enjoyed this movie tremendously, but more for nostalgia than and not. You know, it's like I watch a lot of movies, a lot of '80s movies, and just everything in the bed. I'm like, ah, oh, man, that holds up for me. But for me, it holds. It doesn't. But it really didn't. I'm like, man, I don't know if this is something I would go. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but there's a lot of those scenes that like I've seen a million times, and I'm like, yeah, it's not giving me that that feeling in the gut. But just just having. It, I enjoyed it because of the uh, because of the nostalgia, but I honestly, like on the whole, I was just like I, I was like, yeah, man, it doesn't hold up for me, which is weird, you know, because I thought it would. The opposite effect had it had an opposite effect on me, oddly enough. Like I watched it, and I first like when I started getting into the rhythm of watching, like okay, I can see how some of this might be dated, but the more and more I watched, it's like man, I'm enjoying this more and more. Right. I don't know if it's because I watched it a couple times this week to prepare for this. But it got better each time. Like, wow, this really captures a certain feeling for me yeah. on the whole. That I really like. It, it bring it, it so much. It brings me back to high school. But I think it's because it's in California. It's a beautiful setting and everything. And right. there's, just a, there's despite the edginess of it, there's a warmth to this movie that it brings you. Maybe maybe it is nostalgia. Maybe that's yeah. what ha- the effect it had on me. Is that it brings me back. Maybe not to that specific time, but it brings me back to a state of mind that I might have had at that period. Right. Over well, here. The reason I feel it holds up. And, and when I when I think when I look at any movie and I say it holds up, 
I more so interpret that or mean by that is that it holds up on the whole, not just for me as a person, but uh, for society, for other viewers, for people that might see it 30 years from now. So that's when I say something holds up, that's kind of what I mean by it. Yeah. And I think with, with past times, certainly I can't relate to it in terms of I'm not a child of the 80s. There is no nostalgia there for me other than admiration for the 80s. Yeah. Right. But, aside, but I think the thing that makes it hold up for me, uh, or the thing that I think it holds up in general, is that um, the topics, the teenage issues, the teenage life, your day-to-day -day going to school, you could easily take that same script and make a movie today just like that, and it would sell, and people would relate to it. You know, the teenage pregnancy, you know, just the different character, the stereotypes of the characters, um, all those different sort of elements, and you could base it anywhere. It doesn't even have to be California. Yeah. Um, and I think that it, it's still conducive to what's happening today. Maybe you throw in some cell phones and texting and stuff. But, yeah. but aside from that, it's still very relevant mm -hmm. um, in terms of the script, what, you know, what's discussed in the movie, things of that nature, that teenage lifestyle. So I think from that, it definitely holds up. And it, it was a pioneer. You know, it definitely paved the way for teen movies. There were a lot of things that happened in this movie. You know, nudity, you know, sex, um, some of the just different elements that, that were introduced really in this movie. So it's definitely a pioneer, and people like John Hughes were influenced from it. Um, Amy Heckerlin went on to make similar movies using elements from this movie. So I think just the influence that it had makes, it, makes me believe that it, that it holds up. I think if kids today, like my nephew, who's 19, I think he would watch this and enjoy it and be able to relate to it, even though he was not even a twinkle in anybody's eye <laughs> in 1982. Right, right. But there's, I think this movie is, in a lot of ways, very dated because of just a lot of the references, obviously, and it's very much of its time. I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, this is 1982. There's no doubt about it. Because all they, you know, what they're interested in and how they act. Um... But I think in terms of, because of that, I think it holds up because it is of its time. It, it's, um, you know, we're getting to the period of time where these movies are 30 years, these are old movies yeah. now. Yeah. 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 And it's hard to believe, but um, for a lot of people, but these are considered, you know, it's like when 90s is considered, you know, oldies music. It's <laughs> hard to believe. So, oh, yeah. no. Oh, I'm so yeah. old. Yeah. I mean, music that I'm was so on CDs. Old. Yeah. That you got a CD for. The Ron is classic rock. Yeah, yeah. the Ron is classic rock. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, even the references, I mean, they, they order Coke ama an amazing amount of time. I was oh, counting yeah. how many times they order Coke. Coke. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the greatest, because they go, it's like, oh, I have a sandwich and a Coke. And I mean, they oh, do yeah. it like maybe seven times. I'm just amazed that you counted how many times they oh, order Coke. Like, but yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. You're absolutely right. Kids don't do yeah. that. Now. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be, kids don't. Drink, I, they drink I, coffee now. Or <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. Cappuccino latte. Yeah. yeah, I might just go get a coke now. Just to prove a point. But uh, it's yeah. I you know, I personally I like it for that. I, you know, hold up is a is an interesting question. Like, because you hear that a lot. Is this movie hold up? Um, I don't really know how to answer that because like it. We may right. meet the wrong people to ask if it holds up. You it's probably not, need to ask somebody. Well, Tony, you probably have the best it's kind of, of all of us. It's subjective, and that's why, yeah. I, yeah. that's why I try and look at it from an outside, bigger perspective of what, like, is this my favorite movie? No. You know, but at the same time, for all the reasons I 
just discussed, I feel like it does hold up because I'm looking right. at it on the whole. What would the you, general population right. You are absolutely right. You yeah. can do the same story and most of the dialogue today. Yes. Yeah. And and really have it's you know like so we kept talking about how like how genuine this movie is yeah the the writing and the directing and the acting that I mean really is just yeah. you know it's not full of tropes you know no. it started some tropes it started the tro- and I think that's the problem it started all these tropes that you get sick yeah. of after you see them five million times but this is yeah. the movie that started but them. this was the pioneer and so for yeah, that reason the movie. it holds up. Now, do the other knockoffs of it hold up? No. no. Yeah, some a lot of the mock-ups. Some but of the mock-ups. I'll, I'll tell good. you what. I'll John Hughes movies do, yeah. but, you know. When I was a kid, I remember hearing the title Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and the only thing I knew about it was Phoebe Cates and her boobs. Right. That's yeah. what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. But I heard of it, and, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, in the Oh, in that scene, I think it, I think the video store said they kept <laughs> the, the, the tape would be worn down oh, during yeah. that scene, because it was, you know, it was... But they never talked about Jennifer Jason Lee's boobs. No. We showed them twice. Yes. And, honestly, Honestly, not that much, you know. Yeah, right. Pretty good boobs, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, but they don't. Uh... I think, and and this is my belief. First of all, I loved. I've always loved, really liked the cars, but the music, that song, and the way that it's played, and her walking yeah. in slow motion yeah. to that music. <laughs> He's literally masturbating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, like, yeah. like it's, talking about subliminal messages. <laughs> well, they also I made it. That's, it's very yeah. entrancing. They made it more yeah. desirable it because makes you stop. And yeah, everyone's yeah. like, what's going on? Yeah. Well, as filmmaking, actually thinking about that, it's subliminally, that's what she did. She yeah. made, Stacy was very readily available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we don't talk about her boobs yeah. scenes because, you know, she showed them more. Yeah. But she was also more available to guys in the movie. Yeah. Where Linda wasn't. And we give her one shot and we build up to it. Yeah. yeah. We make her the hottest girl and we make her, we make her yeah. untouchable and unreachable. So, of course, we want that right, more. Right, exactly. So we it's something we can't more. have. Right. Yeah. And, and until that scene, there were never anything prior in the movie that, that alluded to the fact that Brad was attracted to Linda, ever. Mm-hmm. Until right. we saw her in a bikini. And then, teenage boy, woo, she's hey. hot. Yeah. So, you know, it's just instinctive. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that the combination of the music, the slow motion, the fact that Phoebe Cates was go- is gorgeous... Um, all of those elements combined is what I think makes that scene so iconic and memorable. Um, and I tell you, I really believe a lot of it is that song. I mean, that you could yeah. not have picked a better yeah. song. It, the beginning, the way it starts off with a whoosh, yeah, it, it's like you're in that fantasy now, you know. Yeah. Um, and I just think it was really brilliantly executed. It was, it was, and, and to the point where I think it it, it was the thing that throughout I the eighties and yeah. probably even the early nineties, that's why yeah. it was rented so often. I can't listen to that song. If that song comes on the radio, I. PBK's well, coming I think out the, the thing pool. is, I picture it. <laughs> that's a sexy scene. The, the sex scenes aren't really that sexy. No, yeah. it's not. They're, they're, they're not. Yeah. They're, not filmed they're awkward. They're, yeah. they're 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 kind of hard to watch. It's kind of just yeah. like oh they're man, really hard to watch. stuff to yeah. tough. Well, to watch. that's the thing of like her the after having sex with Damone and she's laying now he's yeah. she's just laying there or just like laying there on the couch and he's getting his pants on right and she's just kind of. And it stays on her. Yeah, it's making you. I mean, God, you know, even more to think about it. Yeah. Brilliant direction. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go home and watch it right now, guys. Yeah. No, I'm thinking, but <laughs> right. like, but how brilliant Amy Heckling was is to make yeah. you feel like this is, you know, how. I mean, she's yeah. she doesn't really know what to do with herself. Exactly. No. She's, you know, I mean, she looks really uncomfortable. So you're uncomfortable, and she you know, so, emba- yeah. she looks embarrassed. Yeah, she looks embarrassed, but she's also trying to. She's trying to play it off. I mean, it's really great. I mean, you know, once again, a testament to both actor and director yeah. in that scene. You know? Oh, absolutely. And then you have Phoebe Cates where you got this 
what, gorgeous girl coming out of the swimming pool talking, not dirty, but I always thought you were cute. Yeah. Like, these yeah. are all things that teenage boys want yeah. to uh, it's what, a, it's They want their crush to say that. I mean, these yeah. are wet dreams of teenage boys. Clearly back. from a boy's point of view. Totally. You know? yeah. And, yeah. You know, but Heckerling, I think, was the perfect director to get that because she probably Tina yeah. Caves was far more comfortable having this being directed by a woman in this scene probably right. than, than some guy yeah. with like a, you know I've heard horror stories from the 80s with oh, actresses yeah. in similar scenes but that's why I think this scene is so sexy because it isn't sexy if that makes sense yeah it really mm. was supposed to be like like what teenage boys dreams that, you know right. would, you know dream of and it didn't have um, it wasn't like pretentious in any way shape or form it was very kind of natural and she just very you know naturally just unhooked her bikini and that was that uh-huh. but she was still dressed for the most part and there was still a sense of like innocence to it that I think is what makes it very sexy and like mm-hmm. you know stimulating for people mm-hmm. it is it is um, one of the things we always talk about it like the best place for people to watch these outside of uh, a movie theater I think is Blu-ray like it's the best yeah. place for you to, to experience a film and this is on Blu-ray. It was released in 2011. I actually watched it this week. It looks great on Blu-ray, as most movies do. But it also has some great special features. Like oh, they have a it? commentary track by both Crow and Heckerling, and wow. it's so informative and funny. Like it's both irreverent and informative simultaneously. And they also have a really good uh, uh, documentary uh, with Heckerling, Sean Penn, and a few other of the principals about the casting of this movie. And they mostly just talk about how great the cast was and how great it was to kind of piece it together. So I highly recommend checking out the yeah. Blu-ray yeah. for this if you yeah. have a chance. Do not watch it on Amazon. They... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the more I think about that, oh, that just makes me angry that they just cut that thing. Yeah. So we want to thank our guest, Phil, who was yeah. fantastic thank today. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I know you're involved with a lot of different uh, projects in town. Where can they find... Uh, well, it's, uh, coming up in like two weeks, we'll be at the Tree Bar, March 25th, State of Play. We'll be at the Tree Bar, March 25th. Um, I'll also be at Hashtag Mania, with Tony is on my team, Team uh, team Community. Yes. Uh, ooh, ooh. And don't forget, the Elder Stageman, a.k.a. Oh, hey. Saturday Potluck, will be performing with our Idiot Box on Saturday, mm-hmm. March 25th. Cafe Kerouac. So we're yes. very honored right. to have you guys with us that night. Thank you. All four of the principals here are going to be part of that show. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, and then well, it's way ways off, but who knows when this podcast will be out? Yeah. May twenty fifth, uh, the hashtag roast of Phil Porter. Where That's I, right. yeah. yes. Where I am deciding whether how far I'm going to go, and I, I'm like, I'm either going to. I'm either going to try to be a good boy or I'm going to lose the gig for hashtag. Oh. <laughs> oh. I think you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So, Even yeah. being roasted. So cool. <laughs> you'll be That's fine better. being roasted. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm just talking about how offensive I was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think that about wraps it up for us. Again, thanks, Phil. It was yeah. a fantastic well, thank you. conversation. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye. Here. Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learning about Cuba, having some food. Mr. Spicoli, you're on dangerous ground here. You're causing a major disturbance on my time. You know, I've been thinking about this, Mr. Han. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? <laughs> certainly there's nothing wrong with a little feast on our time. 
You're absolutely right, Mr. Spicoli. It is our time. Yours, mine, and everyone else's in this room. But it is my class. Hamilton, Brandt, Kornfeld, up front. Mr. Spicoli has been kind enough to bring us a snack. And be my guest. Help yourselves. Get a good one. That little prick.